Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. Today, I have a conversation with the lovely Caitlin Sung. I met Caitlin maybe like two years ago. I officially met her during ABBD. And I've always watched her dance and felt her presence, and it's always been one that is warm and welcoming and healing and grateful, which is what our conversation is today. She's somebody that has been practicing mindful movement for a long time, so I absolutely needed to have her on this podcast. And I'm really glad I did. It really was such a great time. and. There were so many things that she said that just really resonated with me. We talk about dance as a healing journey, on gratitude and how life is short, so you should live your best life. Caitlin took her first steps in the dance community when she joined TM Juniors in her hometown, Anaheim, California, where she then remained on the TM company for four years and took on producer roles with Bridge Dance Competition. In 2018, she moved to San Diego to join the cast of Beyond Babel and has since danced with Cirque du Soleil and Billie Eilish. She is currently a member of Vessel Dance Company, team manager for Voyage Training Team, and an intern for Legacy Entertainment Group. I am really grateful to be able to share her light and her story with everybody, so hope you enjoy. And let's get right into it. Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. Today I have Caitlin Sung. She's great. She's amazing. And let's start off with how are you currently feeling? Hi. Um, how am I feeling? That's a great question. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited for this. And I don't do this very often, so uh, my apologies if I'm awkward. But yeah, how am I doing? How am I feeling today overall? Anything you want. I'm feeling good. Feeling a little floaty, but full regardless. So yeah, that's a general how I'm doing. Today has been a good day because I have spent it with Justine. Oh my god. (laughs) So yeah, I'm good. Okay, let's start with tell us your story. All right. Um, my story. I'll give the general um, credentials, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. Resume. Mm-hmm. Um, I started dancing when I was really young in like a studio setting. Definitely like one of those little ballerina girls. Um, but yeah, just that environment was absolutely not it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very against kind of like the way that I see dance and people and just very cutthroat extremely hostile Mm. not safe which i think you know some people can tough it out props to them but i could not yeah so freshman year of high school i went to my school's little hip-hop club quote unquote Mm. hip-hop club we were called united through dance and yeah i (laughs) that's where i started my journey i just basically did little club events and like I tried to learn breaking it was definitely a mess I looked like a little <laughs> flopping noodle everywhere because I had never done that kind of movement before mm-hmm. and I just kind of looked like a fish out of water for sure but it was yeah that was my intro into dance and then after that I joined Team Millennia Juniors which was right down the street from my high school and basically one of the members of that team came to teach us at United Through Dance. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, what's this? This person's so good. What is competitive hip-hop? Like, what is what is junior teams? And of course, back then, we like were calling it hip-hop. And so then, yeah, that's when I got into the TM family. Mm-hmm. I wanted to prove myself so bad while I was there. I was definitely in my nice little high school crisis. So I was going through a lot of just confidence issues Mm -hmm. self-discovery all that stuff and yeah so I was on TM Juniors for three years my last season I was captain and after that I went to Team Millennia I was on Team Millennia for one year 
And throughout this time, I was like on little project teams and stuff. I founded a showcase at Canyon High School with my team, Indefinity, that I directed. Um, it was called Create Talent Showcase. Mm-hmm. That was the first name of it. Then we changed it to Create Showcase because we didn't keep the word talent. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were definitely a lot of things. While I was on TM Juniors, I also produced Bridge Juniors and Bridge Dance Competition. Jeez. Um, SI Dance Camp, too, helped produce that for a little while. Um, man, I'm already forgetting what I did. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, it's not, it could be more. But yeah, while on TM Juniors, that's kind of what I did. And then once I went to TM, then I continued doing those things in the TM family. So like SI and Bridge, because those things are linked to the TM family. Mm-hmm. After that, after one year, I auditioned for Beyond Babel. Okay. And I made it into Beyond Babel as an understudy. And I was an understudy for the first two seasons. Um, I moved to San Diego and basically danced full time there. Basically picked up, moved everything, put everything away. I just stopped life. On a halt, and I went down to San Diego to dance professionally. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a journey for sure. It was still really discovering myself. I kind of had went through like a whole life changing mm-hmm. period, like a definitely a transition for sure. I lost a lot to gain a lot. Um, yeah. And now? And now, okay, so after the first two seasons of Beyond Babel, then I kind of took, like, a hiatus from, like, associating myself with things, but I was just teaching and dancing and trying to choreograph for a little, and then pandemic happened, Mm -hmm. our little panini, our little Panda Express, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Pancake. (laughs) Pancake house. Um, But yeah, so then the pancake hit. And then um, I think through then, that's when Sora founded her Vessel Dance Company. And so then I auditioned for that and joined that while doing some other programs and stuff here and there. But that's where I'm at now, you know, just dancing with Vessel and the training team Voyage. And then currently just like assisting Sora with administration stuff. Oh, I also... (laughs) I forgot about this too. In 2019, late 2019, I also started interning for Legacy Entertainment Group, which is Cheyenne Kibblewhite's management agency. So I'm still doing that right now. But we basically manage a bunch of our different artists like um, Chris and Larkin and... Who else do we manage? Yeah, tons of people. We have a pretty large roster. Keone and Mari, Selena and Isidro, Building Block. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> Legacy and Vessel and Voyage and just like Sora's random things like Shop Sora and things like that. But That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I even, like, I didn't even know that. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so the first thing that comes to my mind when I see you or like when I hang out with you is two things, healing and then gratitude. Okay. So how do you feel like your, like, where does your healing come from? Mm. Let's start, let's start there. Or I feel like if you even feel that way about yourself, let's start there. And do you mean like in regards to dance or just life or maybe like, maybe like how dance has helped you heal? Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Healing. Wow. I mean, I don't think that I'm somebody like, I can speak on my own healing, but I, I definitely am not at a place where I can speak for healing in general, you know what I mean? Um, And I don't think that I have that authority by any means, you know? But speaking on my own healing, dance is literally the essential tool for my healing, for sure. Like, I see dance as just that tool for us to connect with ourselves. It's like a key, and we connect to the world around us through it. We connect to art and emotion and energy and life and peace and all the other things. I think it's a really complex world that we live in as dancers. And I think when we're in it so much, we don't really see quite how big of a deal it is, I think. But um, speaking to healing. Mm-hmm. Wait, actually, yeah. just a little bit, I yeah. guess, to like not go super deep yet or like to go in another direction. Yeah. Um how would you define your healing? Uh-huh. Like, what does that mean to you? Uh-huh. And do you even feel, do you know, do you even feel like my perception of you was like, 
legitimate where it's like, yeah, like she's healing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, uh-huh. like, to be around, at least for me. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that's, that means a lot to me. Um, <laughs> I, my definition of healing is like, you know, just learning to not let go of, but to like confront and like actually actively heal shame, feelings of shame and Mm. feelings of worthlessness and wherever those things have come from, whether it's ourself, our mistakes or the mistakes of others or people's perception of ourselves. Yeah, I think that's just what it is, you know, like letting go, not letting go, because I think that's too passive, but like actively addressing shame and like, and like working to um, rebuild ourselves from it, you know? Yeah. So that would be my definition. Um, in terms of your perception of me, I'm grateful that you feel that way, because <laughs> honestly, like I, I never really have expectations of what people see me as. Like I never place, mm-hmm. like I just let people think whatever they want to think, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And whether or not they're accurate is not up to me to decide. If that makes sense in a lot of ways, like how you perceive me, that's a ref- like, I'm just merely a reflection of you, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I'm merely a reflection of whoever comes in contact with me. And I know that sounds really, again, passive, but I genuinely don't really want to fault anyone because I'm sure that the way that I come off is different to everybody. Um, yeah, I like to think that I, I project healing because I am working on it on myself. And if somebody's able to recognize, that then that just means that they're able to recognize healing in themselves too like they've done the work to heal themselves so they can just see when someone else is trying to heal you know Mm. it's it's a little hard for me to explain because i've never been asked like a question like this so i'm like whoa that's that's crazy but yeah i mean when people do get that vibe from me i guess i am grateful yeah because like it just shows that people are willing to behold me as I am, because I would, I would like to say that I'm healing or I'm trying to, but if people see me that way, then I'm like, wow, yeah, that's cool. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. okay, so then, okay, yeah. So going back to the first question, how has dance helped you heal? Uh-huh. And then, like, just to like you know, deep dig even deeper, what are you healing from? Ah. Uh whoa (laughs) okay we're going there all right um she (laughs) yeah sorry like i definitely i'm just like whoa because i think i think when you talk to people or when you connect with people you naturally fall into those topics but to get asked that specifically is (laughs) Whoa, to me, because I don't like. What are you healing from? It's like holy shit. I'm I, sorry. Oh, am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, don't be sorry at all. I think it's an important question, but like to verbalize it, that's that's pretty, pretty hefty. And I think I I reflect on it a lot and I journal on it a lot. But it's a great, great question. Okay, starting with the dance thing. Um, how dance has served as healing, I definitely think that dance is a place where I can be my most authentic self. And I know a lot of people say this, but I don't mean that in like a performance aspect. I I think I just mean that like, like here we are in my room, right? Like I sit here in my room. Yeah. And I move like just with myself and there's no rule book. There's no right or wrong. There's no impressions. There's no eyeballs like it's literally just letting my own movement determine its truth basically and i think that my movement is a reflection of my heart and my soul in whatever moment like that's how i like genuinely feel you know so music or not like if i feel really really disconnected with myself movement is a way for me to come back to my body basically or for me to come back to my state of mind um and how it's helped me like when i'm the most lost i like sit here and either i play something that i that matches my mood or i just listen to the sounds around me and anything that's ambient but it's hard to say without like visually having any cues but like i basically just close my eyes and like i let my limbs and my body just kind of like go where it wants to and a lot of the time it'll touch points where there's a lot of tension and it kind of just like goes to wherever um needs release and that's kind of just what happens and I think emotionally everything kind of like opens up after that 
So, yeah. Um, okay, here's an example. Because yeah. it's kind of hard for me to explain without specifying. Yeah. But, for example... Whoa, I've never talked about this. So, basically, I... I think there was a time recently, I would say, like, within the past, like, six months or so, where I was feeling really disconnected from myself, really lost, and, you know, again, I was just going to movement, turning to it as a sanctuary for me, and I think there was a moment where, like, my hand rested on my chin, right, and it was just kind of, like, it it went there, and then I think... In that moment, like in a snap, like it's almost like I registered the fact that my hand is on my face. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you register the touch and you register the presence of your own self within yourself. So hard to explain. Yeah. It's so hard to explain verbally. And I've never explained it. So, so bear with me. But basically, like I was here and I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, like my hand is here on my face and it's on my chin and my thumb is here caressing my chin. And I was like, in that moment, that realization was that I have not been telling myself that I love myself, right? And it hit me so hard because I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel myself caring for me right now. Like this is me in my own presence and I am, I am thankful for the mistakes that I make. I'm thankful for the love that I give freely. I'm thankful. Like basically I told myself everything I wanted to hear, you know, like I validated myself in that moment and the movement was that tool that I needed to realize that. Uh And so I just broke down crying. It was just like a really big like flood of emotions because (laughs) I realized I so badly needed to hear those things from myself. Like I felt really one with me here because it almost felt like, you know, like, like if someone were to hold your face, like you feel really secure and like you feel like you feel really seen. And basically like in that moment, it was like I was giving myself everything that I needed. Mm-hmm. so it's it's so hard to, i'm sorry i know no, that probably no. wasn't super clear i have i have so many questions okay like, okay go like what does it mean uh-huh. to return to yourself like what were you lost by uh-huh. and then like how do you know that you're lost versus that you're found do you ever go through moments so i'll return your question with a question right do you ever go through days or even like weeks where you're just going through the motions and then it's like you don't realize how far you've drifted but then it almost just kind of feels like empty like you're just Mm -hmm. blank yeah or you feel like you're checking off things on your to-do list or you're doing a bunch of work but you're not actually present while doing so yeah that's what i mean Mm -hmm. so like mindfulness in that way it people use mindfulness as a way to describe meditation or like to describe presence and so obviously like we all have different definitions of of mindfulness but that's kind of like what i mean when you are when you go so long without doing things mindfully like you know like when you're eating for example right and you're chewing but it's just like you're just chewing and you're spacing out and like thinking about something else mindful eating would just be focusing on every bite that you take what's what are you tasting in your mouth? Like, how many bites are you taking right now? How much force are you using to chew? Like, that is you bringing yourself back to your body because you're being conscious of, like, how your body is moving through the space that it's in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I feel with movement because I feel... This is so abstract. Oh, my gosh, these concepts. So I know you're like, what the F? But, oh, <laughs> but like, but like really, that's what I mean. Like, when, when you go through, like, your life and you're, like, you, you lose tr- sight of, like, why you're doing what you're doing or, like, how each thing that you do every day relates to, like, your why, basically. Mm. And... Or maybe you just feel really, like, loss can mean many things. Like, maybe you just don't feel confident in yourself anymore. Maybe you feel, like, worthless or you feel like you don't have anything to offer to the world around you. Or maybe there's days where you feel like you just empty space or you're not doing anything. And that sounds really negative, but, like, genuinely, that's not the truth. You know? Like, you feeling worthless or feeling, like, feeling like you don't offer anything or you're going nowhere, those things are not true. You know? Like, as much as... As much as your brain will convince you that it's true, you are innately and inherently worthy and infinite and boundless, right? So when you assign those standards to yourself, you're losing yourself, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think my... my I don't know how to, like, sure. connect this thought, but it's somehow related. Sure. Okay. Like, 
when I'm anxious, mm-hmm. right, I'm like losing myself in this anxiety. Yep. But then I don't, I don't like find myself grounding myself in a way where it's like you, where it's like I can touch like a, you know, my chin and then like release this anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's more like I'm going to notice how my body feels feels in this anxiety mm-hmm. and then just like sit there mm-hmm. and then even though I'm like anxious I have found myself in this anxiety that makes total sense so there's parallels okay so the reason why that's similar is because for example with anxiety like same thing when I'm feeling really anxious it's almost like okay so the step that you take to recognize oh my body is extremely tense right now I'm extremely anxious like I recognize that there's a lot of anxiety that I just need to sit with and let pass versus run away from. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what it is for me. It's that moment of recognition. So for me, sometimes I feel like I am in control when in reality I'm not, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so for me, movement and doing those exercises is is the step that I take to be like, look, you're anxious. Now stop running away and sit with it and feel anxious. Does that make sense? So then like in the movement, like when I finally hit that point, for example, in this one thing, like I was really anxious that week for sure. Like when I hit that point where I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I have not been cradling my own like inner child, my own self, right? Then yeah, that was like, that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, everything flooded out. I was like, I have been so anxious this week. I have not been giving myself the space to feel that way. I have not been forgiving and loving myself in that anxious state you know Mm -hmm. i've just been running away from it thinking that i was in control but that moment was like oh my gosh you're an anxious little child right now (laughs) deep down you're scared you're lost and you know what like you have not been kind to that anxious self of yours like you have not been treating it with love and care and time as you would someone else you just keep running away from it and thinking that you can handle it when you can't Mm -hmm. So for me, that's the parallel where it's like in the movement, it said, slow down. Did you, did you move around and then eventually come to like touching your chin and then it like released? Yeah. Oh, got you. Yes. Okay. So like, see, that makes sense. Cause I thought it was just like, I'm going to touch my chin. It's gone. (laughs) No, no, not at all. No. Okay. That's a great point. I was just moving like in the space, like just like moving my arms around and kind of just like, just like, Mm. um, that makes sense. Yeah, like very, very just like, uh, man, it's like it doesn't make sense when no, I say no, it. <laughs> it does. It's like it's like you like moved, like literally moved through your anxiety. Yeah, and then you like reached a point where you're like, I realized that I was doing that to move through my anxiety. Question mark. <laughs> Kind of. Kind it's like of. it's like you're like you know going through like a forest looking for a place, and then you like reach that point and you're like oh shit I went through that kind of except the fact that like me sitting down to consciously move was me saying all right you need to slow down let's figure out where all this is coming from so it's like it's like yes to the forest analogy like me moving around at the beginning and just like trailing and kind of just like feeling where my arms wanted to take me where my hands were where my head wanted to go that was the searching part and then the getting to where I needed to go was like me being like, oh, this is why you feel like that. So it was almost like, I feel like this. I need to slow down and be with it. Let's figure out where it's coming from. And then once I got there, it was like, oh my God, the reason why I feel so anxious is because A, B, C, D, which was, I, you know, I haven't been giving myself the time and love and the care. Like I I berate myself all the time for little things. That's one. Another one was that I (laughs) never tell myself that I love myself. Like, it was like, I never say, I love you for getting me through all these challenges. It was always like, all right, you got me through all these challenges, me. Good job. (laughs) But that's your job. So keep going. (laughs) Rather than, wow, you're really strong. Like, I admire your strength. Mm -hmm. Like, as if sitting across from me in a chair or like from across the table and verbally like telling myself those things, it had the same effect mentally. So that makes sense. Yeah. Related, but not related, because I feel like you are very physical and, like, movement-wise in that mm-hmm. way. Like, this is what I was saying earlier, like, not recorded, but, like, how, like, I'm, like, very verbal. So, yeah. <laughs> so 
literally like two days ago i like sat myself down at like 11 p.m at night and i was like ah, okay like i'm gonna record a self-therapy yeah no yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> and then i just like sat down and like asked myself questions yeah and i was like both the therapist and the client at the same time I yeah that's the same thing yeah yeah but, yeah like, different methods that makes that li- like makes total sense that's exactly what it was that's exactly it was literally the advocacy like all right i'm gonna advocate for myself right now and give myself what i need yeah and in your case it was like the verbal like self-therapy and for me in my case it was like opening up the channels in my mind through my movement but you were opening up your channels by speaking yeah it's it's like the same thing yeah yeah yeah. that makes total sense like your way of saying that it's like yeah self-therapy it's like being coming back to yourself and how you're feeling. It's like getting a mental check-in and getting on the same page with you again. Yeah. Your own self, like your state of yourself. Okay. Yeah. And then like, how do you bring this? Mm-hmm. Not just for yourself, but like, I guess like in the spaces that you share with yeah, others. Yeah, for sure. So you, okay. So you asked me a question, which was, what are you healing from? Yeah. And so I guess like to transition into the next question, I can touch on that. Okay. So I guess like what I'm healing from is like years of hmm, so many different like repeat scenarios of getting taken for granted or taken advantage of whether or not that's in a dance set like setting in a relationship setting or just in general i think i've been i've been in a position where like i kind of make it really easy for people to walk all over me you know what i mean because i'm i feel like i've never set my own boundaries for how much i give so and that's very general believe me like there's a lot of things i'm healing from for yeah, sure i feel you but one of them being that, like from a relationship standpoint, for example, I feel like those, like a lot of the trauma that I went through in my first relationship was like the, it's bled into everything else. So I feel like that resulted in some of the trauma that I've had with like specific dance settings, for example, or specific dance, like the way that I go about those things. Mm-hmm. So it bleeds into everything. So I'm healing from a lot of things, basically, yeah. like a combination of things. But what I recognize from that is that we all, as much as as much as I can't apply like a concept to every person in the world, okay, believe me, I know that I cannot. But I know that most people go through similar experiences in different ways. So a lot of us share the same pain from different scenarios individually, right? So like, I think how I yeah because how I apply this is like wow going through that pain opened me up to pain (laughs) you know like I think you know like we all have to grow up at some point where we experience the harshness of the world and we're like oh my god that sucks like that really sucked right so then going through that made me realize like it just got me more in touch with like the human experience overall you know like we all go through shit at different varying degrees of course you know and I can't say that I understand what anybody else goes through it's not up to me to say like oh you went through that and this is how you can get better like no and I think that's why I appreciate dance a lot in that way where it's like I'm not telling anybody what like what they went through I'm not telling anybody the validity of their experience I'm not telling them how to heal from it but what I'm saying is all right look at yourself and since you're the only person in this world with the authority to truly judge yourself like you also are the only one with a true authority to like see you as your truest self and like for who you really are. So I think the way that I try to use movement and like deliver that message is just to give people the tools that they need to look at themselves as clearly as possible. Mm-hmm. Because we are so often looking through clouded lenses placed on us, whether through society or our experiences or, you know, trauma because we are always looking through a certain lens Mm -hmm. but in the moment of my classes I want people to clear away as much of those blurry aspects as possible and just try to see themselves face to face how do you do that (laughs) I'm still working on my method so I feel like over time also I've had some many terrible classes before where I'm like wow I meant to do that (laughs) but I think I just left people in a what the f just happened I did not feel connected at all. So I've had very many moments where I've made mistakes or where I have, like, failed. Because <laughs> we all have failures, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the way that I do that is I apply my own experience, right? So, like, for me, the thing that has worked is where I let 
I are like, I use movement as a safe place for myself right. to be with myself. So I try to do that in class where I'm like, okay, well, I taught a virtual Zoom class a month ago for Homegrown, which is a team local in, in Irvine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was super nervous. I was like, oh my God, how do I teach over Zoom? I hate this shit. But anyways, <laughs> it, it worked out fine. And I feel like, you know, I had to just trust myself in the process. But one of the ways that I did that was I just, you know, I give people a free form. So I say, look, here's the moves. But you can you can do whatever the F you want. Honestly, I do not care. You could do whatever you want within it. But whatever you feel like can, whatever feels safe, you know, like I want you to feel safe in class. So then, you know, I give a loose framework and this choreography was just sitting on a chair and we were just moving our arms and, and shifting a little bit and like just kind of like placing our hands on different places of our body to really feel the link between your hands. Because I think your hands are like the gateway to your world around you like wild i've never thought that <laughs> really yeah your hands really are the Whoa. gateway to the world around you actually i was definitely inspired to this concept in high school one of my good friends his name is andrew he's blind been blind all his life yeah um and i've been good friends with him we went to prom freshman year mm. but i still hang out with him and like something that i've realized from knowing him it's super applicable to dance too because when you don't have your eyes what do you have you know and like the way that he perceives the world around him is so different from how we perceive the world around us right when you're visually impaired you you're looking you're not looking at the world in the way that we traditionally use the word looking right so basically to go back to i'm going on a tangent but like basically his hands are his link to the world like he'll touch your face he'll touch you know basically like like he'll t- yeah like he his fingers are like everything he touches everything around him and that's how he sees you know and like it's to the point where he has little drones like little like you know like little remote control drones that uh-huh. like have cameras and stuff on them yeah so like he can fly that around his house again he's entirely blind yeah he'll fly that around his house and stop it right before a wall he knows exactly where it is <laughs> Yeah, but that's because his hands, he's lived in there for so long that his hands have, like, given him access to his space. Whoa. So, in a way, yeah, like, in a way, I apply that to movement because your hands are giving access to your body. When you feel your hands, like, for example, put your hand, put your hand on your, yeah, now squeeze. You feel your own presence there, right? Yeah. Yeah. But your hands are giving yourself access to your own body right so basically like when you like for this piece that i taught we put our hands on our chest and we guided them down to our abdomen and we brought them back up and in that way it's almost like you you have to you have to make analogies right so i had i said it as where you're flushing out anything that you feel is holding you back anything that you feel is holding tension in your body right now and then when you bring your hands back up you're bringing in all the good lots of light Lots of white healing light, bringing it up to your body and just kind of like, and I told them like you guide yourself wherever you want. Some people had their hands on their shoulders, you know, some people had it like just like here on their necks or like on their faces and stuff. And that just kind of shows how unique, you know, the human experience is and how movement is so different for everyone. Yeah. So I'm never going to tell anybody what's the right way to move in this specific context, right? Obviously, if you're doing a set, that's that's totally different. Okay. Like that's totally different. In the way that I use movement or have been learning to use movement, that's... That's definitely the big thing, you know? You got to give yourself access to your body. Like, you can you can do angles and lines all you want, but if you're not mindfully exuding your own, like, entity, your energy through your arms, then, like, it's empty, you know? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, it's it's words intertwined with movement. So when I teach, I'm always telling people, like, you know, what are you, what do you need right now? Give it to yourself. Like, what do you need? Bring it to yourself. I'm not going to say, you need self-confidence. You need um, forgiveness. You need gratitude. No, like, it's not up to me to tell people what they need. Only you really know what you need, right? Yeah. So I tell people to, to be honest and tell themselves, like, answer the question for yourself, right? Like, I think a lot of the time, people just aren't asking themselves the questions. So I feel like my class is, I mean, or just, like, what I try to do is, you know tell people to just acknowledge the need take the power back for themselves and realize they can give themselves what they need in a lot of senses they have the power to give themselves what they need and through the movement they recognize that and i would hope that it translates into their lives after class it's not just like oh in this hour and a half no it's like wow you leave feeling like almost stunned like oh my gosh i didn't even realize i needed that you know Mm -hmm. and then you go into your life and you operate that way so say it's like 
I need to be more assertive in my workplace because I'm, I'm not getting respected or I need more respect from people. Well, first of all, it starts with self-respect, right? So then you say, I need more respect or I need more, I need more, yeah, respect overall. And then you give yourself the self-respect. But when it comes to, when you realize like, wow, I love how it feels to have that respect for myself, Mm -hmm. then you go out into your world and you demand it from people because you know you need it now. So I don't know. That was a long roundabout answer. But that's how I would say. And I, I think that it comes from talking to people first. Like, it n- was never like, oh, dance is my way to connect with people. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it's it was always just, like, having individual relationships. And people come to me when they have tough times. I don't know why. Because, honestly, I don't even think I'm that great to talk to. Like, I think I'm a good listener. I try to give good advice or when I can. But I'm not going to say that, like, oh, everyone comes to me. Like, no, I, I don't. I don't think that. But from trend, like what I notice is a lot of people feel like they can trust me and to give them like just like sound advice and to like advocate for them in those types of conversations. And yeah, I definitely think that's where it started. And then once I realized that like, you know, people just need people just need to people need a reason or a reminder Uh to advocate for themselves. So I feel like that's what makes you unique in the sense that like. I feel like currently in the world, there's too many people trying to talk at people. Like, mm. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. You need to be blah, 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 blah. Mm. But then I think like in the way that you're able to provide space for people to listen to themselves mm. in the way that like, like you, you probably listen to them more than they listen to themselves. It's mm. an interesting thought. Whoa. Look at us blowing each other's (laughs) minds right now. (laughs) That's so true, though, if you think about it. Yeah. Because I feel like that's why people choose to verbalize things to friends, right? Like, they go to somebody and they're just like, I'm going through it. I really need someone to talk to. It's because when they verbalize it, that's the first time they're hearing their thoughts that way. A lot of the time. And so... Yeah, maybe not even talk. Like, I just need somebody to listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that you can listen to you speak. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Because wow. I feel like I feel like we share that in that like you know, in that like people don't even know how to listen to themselves, so then they like come to you or like me and it's like, Hey, can you listen to me listen? Or like can you listen for me first and then mm. I'll listen to myself in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the problem, I think, with, like, providing space for people to listen, or for people to listen to themselves, is that, like, they almost become overly reliant on you mm, to do the mm-hmm. listening for them. Right, right, right. And right. That, that's been, like, my gap to, like, try and understand, like, Oh, when you're talking to me, you seem like you 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 get it. Mm. And then the moment you like leave me, it's like you don't you get so lost in all the noise that like you forget what you said about yourself or like you forget to listen to yourself. Mm. And mm-hmm. I've been wondering like how do you how do you encourage that or if like to be self-sufficient basically. Yeah, encourage like, people yeah, to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, yeah, that makes total sense. That's a really good question. Um this is a hard one for me to answer because I think I'm still learning this. Yeah. So, like, for a, a long time in my life, especially growing up, like, in high school, I did not know how to draw those boundaries at all. Like, I was like, whenever you need me, I'm there. If you need anything, call me immediately. And it was to the point where, you know, like... Same. Yeah. Like, it's to the point where... And again, there's nothing wrong with these experiences at all. And I, you know, I'm glad I was able to be there for people. But yeah, I was getting to the point where, like, you know, one high school friend, like, was really close to attempting and called me immediately. And, like, it was just, like, you know, I was there for them and I was able to get there. And that's great, you know. But I don't think – I think that – again, that's that's not that's not the problem in itself. You know what I mean? Like, the, mm-hmm. that incident is not the problem in itself. But I think what happened was, like, I definitely started to feel a lot of a sense of guilt because I felt like, was I the one that, like – kind of pushed her there like I really started to wonder for myself like was that because like I 
I don't know. I wondered if it was, I wasn't doing the right thing to encourage her to seek help. And rather I was trying to be that professional help for her when I was totally not a professional. I was a high school student. And like, I just like thought that friendship and the power of friendship and everything could like get us, (laughs) get her through. Right. Which I think was a very idealistic way of thinking. And I think it's applicable in some cases, but not all. Right. So I guess one of the things that maybe I should have done was incur like when you feel like somebody's relying on you entirely like it's literally 100% or like 95% relying on you to like pull them out of stuff um i think it's important for you to encourage them to like seek help elsewhere part of me i think a lot of it was just like not knowing how to do that yeah but like for certain things like that like encouraging people to find their resources um and like maybe even just even if it's just getting new perspectives from talking to different friends for example like even then i feel like that helps people feel more self-sufficient because they're you know relying on themselves to determine who they want to talk to they're relying on themselves to determine like who can fulfill which needs for them and even then in itself is like it's like cognizantly i feel like it's them thinking about you know their own selves yeah it's so hard to explain and that i'm still working through so by all means i am not the authority to speak on that but i think that's worked like in that way where it's like encouraging people to sit with themselves and think about it before coming to me or saying that they can come to me but in those conversations i encourage them to like have moments of just silence with themselves you know i think some people not all everybody but some people find it scary yeah to be accountable or responsible for themselves definitely Totally reasonable, by right? the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally reasonable. And then they, like, over-rely mm-hmm. on others to, like, figure that out for them. Mm-hmm. And so there's that extra layer of, like, even if I knew, even if you draw your boundary, mm-hmm. like, they still wouldn't know how to navigate themselves out yeah. of it. Yeah. That comes from worthiness issues, though. Like, it, at least this is what what I've seen and experienced. Again, my limited perspective. But I do feel like that comes from people feeling like they're not capable. Like, it comes from their lack of self-efficacy in that way where they think that they can't handle themselves. Like, they don't think that them on their own is enough. Yeah. And I think from what I've learned... Again? From what I've learned, yeah, which is you. very limited. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, like, I always have to make that disclaimer. But... Reminding people that they are capable of getting themselves through hard things, you know, like you can get yourself through hard things on your own. And it's constant, like, even when people are like, thank you so much for being there for me, I say, I didn't do anything. You brought yourself to me, you know, that's all you. Like, you are the one who, you know, you're the one who's showing up for yourself in this, and you will continue to show up for yourself whether I'm here or not. I'm just a filler, but you did this for you. So, I guess, like, that positive reinforcement where it's like, not taking responsibility for the healing saying that no i actually am not the one responsible for your healing yes i was here for you and i provided a safe space but you are the one who did that for yourself and i think just giving people that guide you know and i'm sure you've done that before does it always work probably not but like at least you know at least i don't know at least they're maybe getting that recognition of like okay well i am in control of my life I am in control and I'm capable and I'm strong enough. And however that means, asking for help was an act of me. The person giving me help, like, yes, that was up to them, but I can find help and I'm I'm capable of reaching out for help, you know? And that in itself is like a confidence boost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm so in love with you right now. <laughs> oh my God, stop. Oh man. Well, okay. I don't know about that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, because I'm really bad at this still. And so like, I would sure. love for you to talk more about like, you know, like the physicality, like the whole like presence with your hand thing. Yeah. Sure. And like, I think that is also like a mind switch for me because for me, a lot of like meditation and like grounding techniques have been a lot about like breathing. Yeah. And so like, you know, as somebody who like had anxiety attacks and like panic attacks, yep. can't focus on my breath. It just hurts. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. It makes you more lightheaded. Yeah. And, like, just, like, feel like you're going to pass out. Yeah. But I yeah. was like, oh, focus on your breath. Like, you totally got it. Anyways, the hand thing is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, um, I know something that you've said that you wanted to work on is, like, breathing and dancing. Yep. And, like, why? Mm. <laughs> why that? Great question. Okay. First of all, with your talk on, like, 
just anxiety, like the relationship between your anxiety and breathing. It's like not a harmonious relationship, right? And I would say that, um, yeah, I would say that's a totally valid experience. And I think that's the reason why I appreciate that perspective so much because it shows me that there's not only one way to do things, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I know that that doesn't always work for people, but I will say like breathing has always worked for me. And so I like, I think that's just, I appreciate you for sharing that (laughs) with me because yeah, like this tattoo, for example, it's a little lavender. The reason why it's here is because lavender is my favorite scent. And when I look at this, it reminds me to breathe. So it's funny because, yeah, it's (laughs) funny because, no, but then it's funny because like that doesn't work for you, you know? And I like really, I don't know. I I think I appreciate that. So finding other methods, like for example, with the breathing through dance, the reason why that happens is because I am, when I'm doing choreography specifically, um, and when I have to freestyle to anything outside of my comfort zone, which is a lot of things. So, like, if I have to freestyle to something that has a lot of musicality and it's, like, hip-hop or, like, it's, like, it's like really, like, hard-hitting or there's just, like, a lot of ticks and intricacies, right? Mm-hmm. I get stressed out, so I forget to breathe. So, for me, anxiety and holding my breath are related. I have a goal here that says stop holding your breath because I can work on it for a few months at a time and then it'll just get bad again. So, I guess the reason why I was saying that about dancing is because... Me holding my breath is a sign that I am stressed and I'm in my head and I'm not in my body. And when it comes to dancing, we need to be in our bodies as much as we are in our heads, you know? So um, that's the reason why I said I wanted to work on it. Because when I don't breathe, my my dancing reflects it. Like, I look tense. I look like my shoulders are up. I look like my, my arms are, like, just, like, totally disconnected from my torso. Because I'm just, like, <laughs> holding my breath, right? So the reason why I wanted to work on that is because the way that I feel when I'm breathing through my movement is when I'm in my comfort zone with with music, for example, like slower things, contemporary feel kind of like very like very simple music. That's what I freestyle to to meditate. Right. I guess you could call it improv, but it's like kind of not. But yeah. So when I try to translate that because I feel really safe and comfortable in those, those songs. So I try to translate that breathing pattern into stuff that makes me stressed. That's the only reason why I say that when it comes to breathing, because it makes me feel more relaxed, more in touch with the music. It makes me feel like I'm actually like in the pocket, because when I forget to breathe, I'll end a piece and I'll be like, (gasps) just like, (sighs) like, oh my God, why was I not breathing that whole time? There were so many moments to breathe, like this groove, for example, I could have totally taken a breath there, but I didn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why. Yeah. See, okay, I've been I've been hitting this wall in dance sure. where it's like I get into that pocket in that zone mm-hmm. and I can't figure out how I'm getting there. Mm. And I feel like for a lot of people, it's that like being aware of your breath kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but it, it just anyways, it just hasn't worked. Okay, that's fine. It's just been my personal journey. Yeah, that's totally it's just been it's just been really annoying. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question before I go into like the rapid fire one. Mm-hmm. I haven't touched on it because I said two things in the beginning. Oh, okay. okay. Two things in the beginning was healing and then gratitude. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does gratitude tie into everything we just talked about? Oh my gosh. Last question. So gratitude is like my MO, honestly. Like it sounds cheesy because I feel like everybody's jumping on that train nowadays. We're like, gotta be grateful. Hashtag gratitude. Hashtag grateful. Like, bless. <laughs> like, okay, sure. Like, you know, not to make fun of those people because, you know, like I said, gratitude is super, super important. Yeah. Believe me. But it's been my MO since I was young. Like, I... <laughs> okay, long story time. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my, here we go. So, like, when I grew up, like, in elementary school and whatnot, like, I was that loner kid. I had no friends. Like, I was always just in the library with the freaking old librarian, and we were just, like, hanging out. I was reading books. I was sorting her books for her. I never, like, hung out with people because I was, like, the only Asian kid in my entire class for years, right? So, I just didn't feel that cultural relatability. I didn't feel like people – like, people just made fun of me a lot. I got teased a lot for – like my body type too. People would ask me if I was anorexic. Yeah, I was extremely skinny. Um, people would like give me obviously like the standard like chinky eyes kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which I know a lot of people get, but they'd pull their eyes back. People would make fun of me. And then there was just like a lot of um, 
even then, like, I just had a lot of, like, trust issues with people because I would have, quote, unquote, friends, you know, and we're little, yeah, we're in elementary school. So these are, like, little bratty girls who'd, like, they're just, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is, right? We all go through this. But one of the big things was, like, I would just, like, be swinging on the swings by myself, minding my own business. And then this girl who loved to bully me and pick on me would, like, yell from aclo- across the playground. And she would say stuff that I didn't even know were words at the time. Like, she would call me a fucking bitch. She would call me, she would basically yell across the playground and laugh with her little posse you should be like kaylin song is a fucking bitch she's so stupid and she like just like just like yelling these things like yeah. that made no sense like they now that i would if i were to hear them now i would laugh right like they were just like she's such a stupid little poopy poo or something you know what i mean but then i think ever since then it was always just like this attitude of like i Anything that I get, I am indebted to people who are real to me, right? Like, it was almost like so much of the connection that I have is, like, just not there. Like, I just didn't have anything growing up, like, in terms of, like, friendships and and relationships. And I was always, like, the quote-unquote, like, teacher's pet because I had no friends. (laughs) So, like, I was always hanging out with the adults, like, the teachers, right? Mm -hmm. But I think ever since then... Part of me thinks it's unhealthy. Like, the gratitude that I have is almost, like, over the top sometimes because I hold really, really tightly. Like, I cling and grip onto anything good that does come my way that I know is is real. So, like, ever since I actually started to, like, meet people like me, like, other fellow Asian kids who cared about school and, like, you know what I mean? Like, who had the same, like, mannerisms and cultural, like, indications as me, right? Like... Mm -hmm. I would hold on to anybody who would give me care and time of day, like, really, really tightly. So when it comes to my relationships now, that's exactly how I hold on to people. Like, I cling to anybody who shows me love. And I appreciate it so much to the point where it's almost like I feel like I owe them my life, right? And I guess that's a different sense than gratitude, but I've grown past that a little bit. Like, I've I've understand I offer people something too, you know? People aren't always just giving to me, and they're not just, like, giving to me because they're so nice and it's an act of charity. Like, I understand I have value now, too. But I think growing up, that was always, like, my thing. Just, like, fiercely and, like, unconditionally grateful for anything good in my life. And that was just people in general, right? And then even with, like, dance. Once dance came into my life in that form, it was everything that I had been missing. Community, expression, um, like, a place to work hard and actually get results. Because, like, with ballet, it's, like, if you don't have the body type, if you don't have the flexibility, no matter how hard you work, you're going nowhere. Mm -hmm. So I think once I got this, it was, like, wow, like, if I work really hard, I can actually, like, I can grow. Like, the growth will be visible and I can, I'll be able to see it. And it gave me the community. So I was just super grateful for that. But then I think, like, all that aside... Once I graduated high school and, you know, went through a good amount of shit, too, with, like, relationships and stuff, that also taught me gratitude in that way where it's, like, you know, just grateful for, like, healthy, functioning relationships. Um, I kind of, like, had my first moment of, like, true loss when I was, um, I think I had just turned 19. Yeah, like... I was a director for a team called Indefinity um, when I was in high school and then leading up to like my first year of college. And then one of my kids who was like basically one of my closest friends and he's like everybody's best friend, you know, he's just all around so loved, just like, just like the perfect friend and just like the perfect, kindest, most like purest human being. And okay, people say that we romanticize people in death, okay? I I think that's true. And I I definitely think it's true. But I think that in this case, it's like, that's all we all knew that already about him before he passed, you know. Mm -hmm. So he passed away when he was at school. Mm -hmm. Um, He went to school in Chicago. And, you know, I think that really turned my world entirely, like, upside down. You know, I had never lost anybody um, that close to me ever. And so, you know, I think that was the hardest experience I ever had to go through. And I mean, up until that point, something we practiced on our team was we always hug each other when we when we go to practice and we say hello and we always say goodbye. You don't leave without saying goodbye to everybody. The reason why is because you don't really know when it's the last time that you'll see anyone. You know, like you just never know what's going to happen in life. And so, you know, we used to always practice that. And that was a practice of gratitude, you know, saying goodbye and sending people off, saying drive safe, be safe until next rehearsal. But when he passed, it was like, oh, my God. He is gone. You know what I mean? Anybody could be gone at any second. It was like the most unexpected thing to happen. And it was like everybody's most loved person. And 
that was like, that was it for me. That was when I started to over-romanticize life. You know, like you romanticize people in death, of course, but I think what happens when you lose someone really important is you romanticize the life that you do have and the people that you do have. And so I think after that, that's when gratitude became my like, I mean, that was like my bio is in order to be great, you have to take the E, move it after the T and add full to it. So that's been (laughs) that's been my bio since I was like my since I graduated high school. So that's been four years now. Right. That's where that's been my bio. But yeah, again, you know, like when you when you lose people, it solidifies that. And I genuinely think that if you're not grateful for what you have, you can never truly be great because you're not acknowledging the just like the prosperity and the richness of your life, you know what I mean? When you're constantly striving for more and you're not acknowledging mm-hmm. the the yeah, there's just so much beauty in what you already have, I guess. So, um I think since then I've really over-romanticized life, like just taking nothing for granted. And okay, like we're all human. So of course I take things for granted. I take people for granted. I take opportunities, my family, like everything. We take the goodness in our life for granted. That's natural. But I think just being extra mindful about expression of gratitude while you still have the people that you have. Ugh, that's the big one for me. Like, express it. Like, you can be grateful, but if you never say it to people, and if you never express it verbally or in documented or text people or just check in with people or, you know what I mean, then is it really there, you know? Like, I, I think it is, and it has validity, but if you don't express it, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you only have so much life to live, and, like, life is really fragile, you know? Like, you, you don't realize when things might just completely get flipped upside down and, like... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, Chase was a big one for me. Like, when he passed, it was like, wow, what the F am I even doing? Why am I doing any of it? Like, nothing makes sense anymore. You know, it was like, I just lost one of the most important people in my life, and I have the audacity to, like, I don't know, to, like, not romanticize this beautiful life that we have, you know? I started to see colors more clearly, like, like patches of flowers would show up, and I'd be like, oh my god, that is the most beautiful thing ever. I'm so thankful for this life and this existence, you know? And then, like, even more recently, like, I lost someone really important to me to COVID, and it was just, like, it was, like, another smack across the face, like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, they're gone too, and it's just, like, you know, you don't have any regrets, though. When you live life fully, you don't have any regrets because you're, when you express yourself fully, there's nothing left unsaid, you know? Like, when he passed, this is, like, a father figure in my life. He he passed away just February. He passed away on Valentine's Day. It's, like, I don't have any regrets. I know that I was really expressive to him. I was always grateful to him for, like, everything that he did for me and everything in my life. And so I don't have regrets and I really miss him like a ton every single day. But like, at least I know that I am just trying to live fully and express fully. And while you still have them, you know, and gratitude for ourselves, dude, fuck. Like we get ourselves through so much shit, you know, like we, we are strong. Like we all go, like everybody's got shit. It's like at this point you can go up to someone and be like, all right, so what you been through? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know that you'll have a good-ass conversation because everybody's been through something. So I think something that we all lack practicing is just, like, being grateful to your own strength for pulling you out of all the crap that you've been through, you know? Yeah. Like, you're here now, you're standing, you're breathing, you're alive, you know? Yeah. And the fact that you show up to my class, for example, like, when I teach, that's how I project gratitude. It's like, you're here, you're standing up, you're, like, you're dancing, your body, you're able-bodied, you're, you're advocating for yourself by doing something that you love, like... Yeah, you can be grateful to the world for having all these opportunities and, like, where you were born into, you know, we're all privileged to, like, be dancing. But thank yourself, dude. Like, you got yourself here, you know? Gratitude doesn't only apply to what you have. It's it's to what you've done for you, you know? Mm. Yeah. That was a whole long ass rant. <laughs> beautiful. Amazing. I'm not even going to say anything. That was, that was great. I have nothing to add. Okay. Are I'm you sure? Gonna, yeah, I, no, hear I don't want to like detract from anything that you just said. That was amazing. Aww, okay. okay. Last five slash almost six questions. Okay. The five questions. All right. Let's okay. go. I needed to ask you this. Okay. What is your most favorite slash most meaningful piece that you've danced? Oh, first thing that comes to my mind is like, it has to be like a piece. That doesn't matter. Ah, <laughs> okay. Frick, can I have two answers? Yeah. A first and second? Okay, first place would be my platform showcase mm-hmm. piece. It was like a set. 
But that was really meaningful to me because I brought together like some of my really closest friends and loved ones, and they have been with me like through so many various phases of my journey and since the beginning. Mm -hmm. And to bring them together on stage was really meaningful. And it was my first body of work that I put on stage that was solely mine. So that was, I mean, I haven't done one since then. Second place would be my, um, I did a piece to um, an Omar Apollo song and I taught that at AFX Mm -hmm. in the Bay. Mm -hmm. And that was the most meaningful class I have ever conducted in my life. I had three hours to train this team and I felt like I was at my highest elevation. Like I was literally on my highest vibration for sure. Like something else, something otherworldly that wasn't me was moving through me and like allowing me to be my best self. Cause yeah, like I felt like I truly delivered that message exactly how I wanted to. And I connected people to each other and yeah, it was incredible. Such a great experience. Love that. (laughs) Something that you're looking forward to in the future. Oh, that's so vague. Oh, something I'm looking forward to in the future is um <laughs> Can it be just like random? Yeah. Um me and Josh are going on an anniversary trip for a two year. That's gonna be on the nineteenth. Where are you going? We're going just to solving. Um, it's in, it's in Cali. It's literally like three hours from here, but it's like near Santa Barbara. Yeah. We're just going to go be old people. Solving is like a really like chill, not busy, just like a little town that has like a bunch of like old architecture and shit. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Ah, Thank you. Thank you. Um, you. Okay. A memory that you think about that insulin brings you joy. Ooh. Um, okay. I think it would be, it was... Me and then a bunch of, or like a few of the Indefinity kids, um, we were, <laughs> we were at a freaking one of their houses basically, and we were watching Netflix. But it was just hilarious because I can't. Okay, so this is a fun fact about me. I cannot. I didn't grow up like watching a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. So like when I watch TV or movies or anything's playing, I get like sucked in. Like I don't know how to multitask. It's like it takes all of my attention, right? We were playing a crappy movie. It was Cars 2, which is terrible, mind you. And they were all like socializing and talking and I was just staring at the TV, like mouth open or whatever. And then I would snap out of it every time they'd be like, man, Caitlin is really into that movie. And they would just constantly make fun of me for like the rest of time. They still make fun of me for it when I hang out with them. But it's just hilarious because like, I, I just think it's hilarious because I was being such an idiot, but they were all just like making fun of me and like, it was just fun. Yeah. Okay. And then... A moment where you felt anxious, uh-huh. but then chose to act in the face of your anxiety. So a courageous moment. Ooh. So this... I, like, don't like photo shoots. Like, basically, like... Or just, like, people taking pictures of me. I love being on set for photo shoots. <laughs> but n- not not in front of the camera. So, like, my friend... Kath, I don't know if you know her, but she works for Building Block. Um, my friend Kath is like a creative slash artist. She loves doing like mixed medium, like visual art and stuff. And she hit me up one time asking if I could be the subject of like this um, photo concept that she had, basically like darkness and light, like femininity and like and like the just kind of like the the very complex nature of femininity in general and especially in our society, right? Right. And at first I was like, hell frickin' no. Like basically I was gonna be in like Spanx, tan Spanx and like a like a bra. And I never show that much of my body like that. And I was very like, oh my god, there's no way, I'm so ugly, please don't like it's just like I felt so terrified, just like uh-huh. so much anxiety. Um But I forced myself to be like, you know what? take this opportunity to start fighting the anxiety in your life towards your body image, basically. And even if you don't feel confident at first, and even if you feel scared out of your life, this is your opportunity to go into battle mode with those thoughts. And when you go to the shoot, like you're going to, you're going to shoot down all those thoughts that come up in your head and you're going to conquer it. Basically it was like my opportunity to like get over it. Um, it was terrifying as much as I expected it to be, but I think at the end of the day, as much as I felt really like not great about the shoot itself, I think I was pretty proud of myself for at least just getting through it. So 
did I crush those demons? Not really. <laughs> but like I will say, I'm proud of myself for at least doing it and you getting through it. Them. Yeah, like I faced yeah. it. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay, one last it. question. All right. Something that you had to unlearn or rethink in the past year. I think something that I've had to I guess reinforce so not necessarily like unlearn it because i feel like i kind of have gradually fell into this thought process but Mm -hmm. life is so volatile like thanks to our pancake (laughs) (laughs) it's like everything can change in an instant so you can plan as much as you want for 10 years into your future but again it also goes with like you know the loss that i've had too Mm -hmm. it's like why live 10 years in the future when you can just live now period you don't even know how long your life is going to last. Like, that sounds really scary and negative, but, like, nothing in life is guaranteed. You can, like, set all of these, like, things up thinking that they're rigid norms, but there's no such thing as normalcy. So live your damn life. Do the fuck what, like, do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think for me that's been, that's been the theme of this past year because, you know, people are, like, so busy getting stressed about, like, planning their retirement. You know, you go into, like, yeah. a full-time job. You're, like, working a-, a job behind a desk and you're miserable. But, hey, at least you have retirement. Dude, like, you don't even know if tomorrow is a thing for you. You don't even know. Like, nothing is guaranteed. So live your life and make it work, you know? Like, you can make it work. Have faith that you will find a way and that your skill set, just, like, keep building yourself up. Do what you want to do. Do what fills your cup. And, like, yeah, of course money is important. Like, we all live in a society that money is survival, right? But, like, at least do something with the thought that you will be able to find it sustainable in some way, eventually, you know? Yeah. There's more need for people to be thinking outside the box and to be free-spirited than there is for people to go into all those carbon cut, cookie cutter, whatever, you know? Period. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, yeah. anything you want to plug? I mean, I make earrings as a side business, so okay. hit me up if y'all want jewelry. Hey. My style's not for everybody. Totally okay with that. Everybody has different tastes. But yeah, it's at Kate with an eight dot creations at Instagram. Yeah. Anything Thank else? You. Um, anything else? Uh <laughs> Justine is awesome. No. She's an inspiration to many. Um, <laughs> did I mention that already? I love Justine. Okay. <laughs> it's time to end this podcast. <laughs> um, last thing. Anything else? I'm rooting for y'all. Whoever's listening to this, I'm rooting for you. You're listening to this for a reason. Period. Trust the guidance of the universe. If you took a sign here or there or anywhere, go with it. Run with it. <laughs> because life's too short to give a fuck. Truly. Yeah. Period. Such a light and a gem to this world. I freaking absolutely love you, Caitlin. So many things that she said just made parts of my mind click. Like, your hands give you presence to yourself. And that her journey with anxiety is to move through it and then identify it so that she can later release it, provide herself with affirmations because everybody is deserving of them and knows exactly what they need. They just need to know the right questions to ask themselves. Thank you a million, Caitlin. Thank you. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.